1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today is no one. No one came to work today. So it's just me. Busy week for our staff. As you know, we're doing our watch parties on playback. If you haven't, uh, it was pretty fun last night. I know Brian and Tiff held it down. Link's in the chat. We do a lot of games. I think we might do some hate watches. That might be a fun thing to do. So check out our playback Um our little playback watch parties. Check out Hangover Time, our post game show, right here on Twitch.tv/slash Miami Heat If you're listening on the podcast, make sure that you tune in live. Uh, there's nothing like there's nothing like it live. There's nothing like watching the disasters live. There's not it, all of it live is the best, and you gotta catch it live. So make sure you tune into that. Also, the Weird Pre pregame Show. Shout out to our YouTube audience. You guys hold it down. We love reading the comments, all the funny and weird shit you guys say. Uh, what's up to chat? What's up to Lo Banza? Uh, what's up to everybody? We're going to listen. Today's going to be a day where we let's talk about where we're at two games into this series. By the way, if you see on the screen, uh, we have a Jimmy Butler jersey designed by Casey Bannerman. Uh, we have very limited ones left. I think there's a few left. So go to caseybannerman.com and uh, check it out. Uh, I don't know what the script is in chat, but uh, if you go to our Twitter page, you know, we're, we're linked there. It's our pinned tweet at MIA Heatbeat on Twitter. Get in, get the last of these Butler jerseys. They're authentic NBA quality. So, you know, they're, they're really, really good. We have the BAM ones that we sold and everyone's like, oh, gee, O'Brien, you know, when are you guys selling more BAM ones? When they're done, they're done. So so make sure you get these because these are limited time. We gave Deadman a mechanic one. That was a custom order. Deadman loved it. So if you need the mechanics stamp of approval, you got it. But let's talk about this game. Let's talk about game two. Let's talk about everything that's going on this series so far. I tweeted out a stat from game two that I thought was maybe the most telling thing, I think, in this series so far. Last night, Atlanta in the half court, they had a 91.9 offensive rating. In transition, they had a 94 offensive rating. Now, I think Atlanta's big adjustment was let's push off makes and misses. Let's try to create mismatches not only in the half court in pick and roll, but let's try to juice our transition game. Let's try to get mismatches in transition so we don't let Miami switch from a position of strength. Because Miami wants to switch. And even if we try to hunt Struce, you know, they'll throw bodies and they'll throw they'll throw traps and they'll they'll hedge and they'll do all their Miami stuff. They'll get arms in the passing lanes and force me into turnovers. They like being in rotation and I, I had a couple tweets and we'll go over some plays where how good Miami is in rotation. But Atlanta, I thought pretty wisely, said, Okay, well we're gonna push pace, we're gonna make this a track meet, and we're gonna we're gonna fucking run. And we're going to get our offense that way. And the result was a 94 offensive rating in transition, which is absolutely abysmal. A lot of that was turnovers. Miami did a really good job of kind of forcing Atlanta into some tough passes in transition. A lot of it was Miami getting back really well. You know, even guys like Tyler and Max who aren't known for their defense, great job of getting back in transition kind of getting everything set, even if they're not the matchups they want. And Atlanta did get a couple mismatches they wanted. Miami did enough emergency scrambling on defense to get it done. On the flip side, Miami in the half court, 95 offensive rating. Not good, but that's about what you expect from this team. And especially last night where turnovers were an issue and Bam and, and Lowry were just bad for the first half, especially. Miami in transition. 178.6 offensive rating. That is not a typo. That is absurd. And what the difference in that game was, Miami was absolutely clinical in transition. And Atlanta wasn't. Atlanta was an- <laughs> Atlanta Atlanta had a worse transition offense than Miami's half-court offense. Let's think about that. Atlanta in transition, 94. Miami in the half court, 95. Think about how hard that is to do when you have Trey Young and John Collins, right? You have Bogdanovich. You have all these guys, you know, Okongu, athlete. You have all these guys out and run. And Miami was able to just straight up be better. I think the turnovers for the Heat are a thing. I think a lot of that was lazy passing by Lowry, by Gabe, by Bam, right? It was a a lot of carelessness. And I think that, you know, when you come out and you just punk a team like that, you know they, Miami made it seem like Atlanta didn't belong in the gym with them in Game One, and I have to I have to think that they they let they, they put their foot off the gas a little bit, and you could see it. I think you could see it. I think that there was a sense of urgency Game One that there wasn't until the end of of this game. They let Atlanta in the game by letting them run a little bit. They'll get into their offense a little earlier, and basketball is a kind of sport where a couple things don't go your way for a little bit and you let a team into it. There was a point in the second quarter, because I just rewatched the game. I I, I tend to rewatch games uh, with a closer look. I, I kind of go over every play. First I go over every defensive possession from the Heat. Then I go over every off-passing possession for the Heat. Uh, so I, I try to comb through it. Then I'll like, rewatch individual actions from certain players and stuff like that. It's kind of my process after playoff games and a lot of big regular season games. So, you know, if you're Miami, uh you're in the second quarter and Miami goes a little smaller, right? So they they go PJ well in the second quarter actually they were they, it was a, it was the Duncan Max, it was a Duncan uh Tyler and Gabe lineup with Jimmy at the 4 and Deadman at the 5, right? Which is a little smaller than they like. But, you know, by necessity, Caleb had not come in the game yet. Um and The Heat just completely had a chance to blow that game open. And there were a couple weird plays. There was a block shot that went right into Trey Young's hands, and he got a floater. There was a deflection that was pretty much a steal, and Lowry fell, and then it was a three for, I think it was Hunter. Right? So that's a five-point swing where Miami should have taken the ball and gone the other way. There was another play where Miami basically forced a turnover and it went into Atlanta's hands and they got a layup. And it, it happened like back-to-back-to-back to back to back times, and it just really led Atlanta in the game where Miami was already leading. I think Miami had just gone like on an 8-0 run. And then this stuff, I mean, after an 8-0 run, if, if you if you turn them over that many times and you score on the other end or at least on half of those possessions, I mean, you essentially kind of put the game away at halftime. You know, you're able to take a big, momentous lead. You're looking at a if you're Atlanta 14-point deficit. Going into the half, you know, after what happened in game one, you're, it, it it feels different. You know, Atlanta kind of crawled back into that game in an ugly way. And nothing that they did schematically held up. I thought the running thing was obviously, like, by design. And part of that was Miami was just missing more shots. So, you know, naturally you're going to have more chances to run. I think the other thing that they tried to do early in the game that really went away, and I thought that was really telling of a couple things they were they made an effort to get Trey Young off the ball and then get him back the ball. Whether that meant um, you know other people bringing the ball up instead of Trey, right? Whether that be um, uh, Herder or Bogdanovich or whoever, they were trying to have other guys bring the ball up and then have Trey come off a of pin down, have Trey come off a of dribble handoff. That way, if Miami wants to pre-switch some of their off-ball screens, it becomes a little more complicated because you you don't know what the last screen is going to be on the action, you know, and they can ha- they can have several built-in things and I thought that was pretty successful for Atlanta. It got Trey moving instead of having the ball from a standstill position, you get him in motion. Even if that switch comes, that slip is a lot easier because you already have built-in motion into your actions. So I like that look for Atlanta, but they just went away from it. Really, it was like the first half of the first quarter they were doing it. And then at one point it was Trey's like, "All right, give me the fucking ball. I'm going to I'm bringing this shit up. I'm bringing this shit up and I'm running the show." And his he had 10 turnovers. He had it was crazy. He had a uh, 7 his turnover percentage was I believe 17 and his assist percentage was 18. That is absolutely fucking bonkers, man. That's bad. Uh okay, I have it right here. His turnover percentage was 27.7 and his assist percentage was 20. So he's playmaking as often as he's throwing the ball away, which is just like an absolutely – it's an absolute death sentence for a team that needs Trey Young to do pretty much everything for them on offense. Shout-out to Daywalker, 2 for 2 for the Tier 1 sub. Appreciate that a lot. So if you're Miami, you're winning. You're forcing this guy into turnovers. He had—he was 10 for 20, which is pretty good, um, 2 for 10 from 3, which I think that's a number if you're Miami that you're like, this guy – is not hitting threes. He's not taking the threes he wants, and we're limiting him. He got to the free throw line. Uh, actually, no, he only got to the free throw line four times. It's funny that felt like more. Um, where he made, yeah, he made three. He went to the line four times. That, that's that felt like felt like a lot more considering all the damn foul trouble Miami had. Uh, Jimmy went to the line eleven times. Uh, Kyle five, and they just they have Trey Young got as many turnovers as he did field goals. And if you're going to cut the head of the snake off that way, you know, you're going to win. Trey, I'm going to 34 usage percentage highest on the Hawks. And he's a walking turnover. Uh, JBM Heat says, I think they have Trey off ball more in game three. I don't know why the Hawks went away from it when it was pretty productive, giving Trey on ball duties. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is Trey doesn't like it. I think, you know, a big I think a lot of this is what players like and what players don't like. And I think he likes to have the ball in his hands and you know you can as a coach you can do that but if you don't have buy in from your guys then you know what i mean like what 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 are you really doing as i turn on lights behind me um so i think i think that's a natural adjustment for them in game 3 but i just i mean we just kind of saw the way that worked you know what i mean so i'm not sure how much they go back to that but he needs to clean up the turnovers a lot of it is just I think a lot of it is the heat frazzle him because of the size, because of the different defensive looks that they give him. They don't really give him, you know. Sometimes they'll trap. Sometimes they'll. A lot of times they will switch, and he is looking for the switch. But I think Miami is really good at kind of springing things on him. I thought the way, and I, I had said this last podcast, and I tweeted it too, and I said it on the pregame show thought one of the other adjustments that they might do is kind of test Deadman and a drop more because. I thought Trey was mostly interested in hunting the, the Tres Leches, and he wasn't looking for other matchups that were particularly good for him um, down the stretch uh, or anywhere in the game, really. So what I thought was a good adjustment by Atlanta was he put Deadman in pick and roll quite a few times. There were like five straight possessions when Deadman was in the game before Miami went to the zone that they were, all right, bring Deadmond up the screen. And I liked what Miami did, and I think that that's, that's what a good coach does the Heat were ready for that because Deadman played. He played a traditional drop, and he had Gabe fighting over screens, being Gabe, being a, being a bulldog. And then you had Deadman, kind of the next time playing super high up, right? So the Slip Man comes, and this is that lineup that I told you about that it was three guards, Jimmy at the four, and Deadman. So Deadman's playing really, really high up, and Jimmy at the nail. The nail, by the way, is the free throw line area. Jimmy's at the nail, and Jimmy sinks to to tag that roll man because if deadman is playing really really high up on the screen that roll man knows i got to slip and i got to go because at that point i'm going to have the advantage jimmy recognizes that this is a coverage that they clearly practice jimmy steps in and sinks under he's ready for that for that drop for that roll man to come and the play the play burns down and then they they load up on the strong side of the ball they force a really tough cross court pass I'll never forget something that Bomani Jones said a long time ago on The Levitard Show. And I don't particularly agree with this. But one of the things that Bomani said once that I'll never forget was, it's really hard if you're Chris Paul when you're the smallest guy on the court and you don't have, like, you're you're the smallest guy on the court and you need to have the ball in your hand all the time. And I think part of that's the issue with Trey when Miami can play kind of bigger front courts, even though I'm talking about a smaller lineup, you know, when when it's Dedman and Gabe's physicality up on that screen, it gets tough, right? And that cross-court pass is a little tougher. It's a little slower. It's a little higher. It gives guys like Tyler the time to close out on the corner um, as my camera goes out in classic, classic fashion. And I think Brian texted me. He wants a link. Okay, I'm going to try to send Brian a link. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really, that's really where they are. Um, I thought they did a great job defensively in, in different looks, holding Atlanta to that. You know, I know Bogdanovich really went off at the end. Um, but the fact that Miami, (laughs) Miami had Kyle and Bam give them a big old fat nothing. Uh, and they still were able to win. And obviously Jimmy Butler had, you know, the 45 point game, right? Like Jimmy had, and we're going to, I'm going to get into Jimmy. Uh, I'll get Brian in here. You know, Brian will get into Jimmy. Um, but I mean he was sensational, but just it just shows you how prepared they are. They they knew what Atlanta wanted to do. Um, and they were just they were they were really ready for it in in every sense. Brian, I put the link in the chat. Um, you know, you let me know when, when you're in there, but you know, credit to Spolstra, credit to, to the Heat for being prepared. That second half felt a lot different. They came out with a little more energy. They were kind of getting the balls. None of that lazy pass shit that they were doing that was incredibly frustrating um, to watch. So, you know, it's they are a very, very good defensive team, and I think we saw that in full force. Before Brian gets on, let's let's talk a little film. Let's talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler because I thought, obviously, Jimmy should be the talk of the NBA today. Um, as I'm gonna bring Brian Goins here in a second, but you know Jimmy Jimmy was the talk of the NBA, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to a little bit of a of a play breakdown if I correctly have the right scene. Here we go. All right, so I have I have three plays here, and it's Jimmy Butler functioning in pick and roll pretty differently. Um, I thought I thought last night was a really good example of the diversity that he provides on offense. Um, in a lot of ways. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. So let's go to this first play here. Now, Jimmy's going to screen and I apologize for the pod audience that this may not be the most fun thing in the world. Please bear with me. I thought I was going to be alone here on a pod. So I, I brought some extra content for the, for the people. Um, But let's, let's take a look at some of these plays here. So this first one I have is Jimmy as a roller in the pick and roll. So Lowry's going to come up. Jimmy is going to screen, and this is one of my favorite actions that Miami runs. Atlanta is kind of staying in the paint. They're kind of bailing on shooters. PJ's not really doing anything there, and and Max and Caleb or whatever, they're, they're probably going to move. Jimmy's going to roll. Look how good he is on the short roll catch. Pivots, turns. Now Max is moving. PJ's in the corner. They have motion, and Jimmy really can make these plays at the rim. Pump fake, drive, and one. You know, that's what this guy does. And that's it's almost Embiid-esque, where Embiid is not like this super elite roll man. Jimmy catches that ball at the free throw line, makes a makes a pivot move, catches the defender off his heels, and look at that, just decisive move to the rim, pump fake takes a contact. That's that's what Jimmy does. And that's him as a roller. That's not him pounding the ball up top, waiting for a screen. That's that's Jimmy. That, that's Jimmy being a screener, being an active participant in the offense. Let's watch that one more time. And, again, I want to focus on the spacing. Because Jimmy's a non-shooter, the other guys on the court are shooters. Despite anything about P.J., P.J. can knock down an open shot. Max is a shooter. Gabe Vincent is a shooter. They're occupying space. Gabe is on the left corner. The other guys are on the right. The other guys are running in action. There's movement. Look, Gallinari has to tag Max. Max gets him out of the paint. Now, Jimmy's one-on-one because that man already, Okongu is already leaking out to P.J. Tucker. That's spacing. Kyle did his job to trigger the pick and roll. Jimmy caught the ball in a scoring position. He makes a basketball move, gets the contact, finishes. O'Kongu's not even in the play, right? And that's just how good he is as a player. Let's go to the next one. We're going to do a little bit more Jimmy Butler as a screener. Again, he's going to screen up talk for Trey Young. Trey Young is behind the play because he's not he's not a good defender. Now, Kyle's in front, a man in drop. Jimmy's going to roll into space. And Kyle's able to get to the basket because they're occupying. And again, it, it helps everyone involved, right, when your best player is willing to be a screener. Let's watch this again. Look, he Trey Young is not good right? Gets him into play, fights over, trades behind the play. Kyle has a guy and drop. He's going to beat the guy because he's a little occupied with Jimmy. He's not fully in front of Kyle. He's kind of cheating a little bit. And Lowry's able to finish through contact, right? And again, that's Jimmy as a scorer, helping his teammates. And by being by, by the threat of him, he's helping his guys. Let's go to the last one where Jimmy's on ball in pick and roll. So Tyler this time is going to screen and Bam's going to screen. So they're running almost a, a double drag, you know, whatever you want to call it. Not really a double drag, but like a stagger screen thing. But look at where the screens are set. I I want to emphasize this because guys like Tyler, guys like Trey Young, they like their screens really out because they want to leverage their three-point shooting ability. Nobody's going to guard Jimmy's pull-up three. I don't care how many Jimmy hits. They're just Atlanta. A good team's not going to care about that. Instead, what Miami does is they set lower screens where Jimmy can pull up into an area where he can actually hurt you. So look at Tyler, look at Bam. If Jimmy wants to, st- if Bam or, or Tyler seals their man, Jimmy's going to be able to step into a free throw line jumper. You like that more than a three. I don't care how many threes Jimmy has hit. You'd rather him kind of get into an open pull-up jumper. And by setting those lower screens, almost like Tony Parker and Tim Duncan used to do a little bit of this as well, you know, you get him in the ball-in area where he's more comfortable with. Bam rolls. Jimmy goes. Occupies two men. Look at that. Great pass in the air. Bam has Herder on his back. Catch. Easy finish. Gets a big fellow going after a rough fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler's masterpiece of a game just does it from a scoring perspective, as a screener, as a roller, as a playmaker, does so much for so many people. And again, when you that's a, that's what star players do and all this new, all this discourse and, and conversation about who's a star player, how much can, can Jimmy Butler take your team? That's what star players do. They do everything on a basketball court. From offense to defense to everything, from screening to passing to shooting to scoring to bring your team to the finish line, and that's what he did. Let's bring in Brian Goins. What's up, B? I can't hear you. Sorry,
2: No, I had mute because I don't want to interrupt you. Um, Chat, can you hear that Brian? That was great, man. Did you did you like just start your own I can't breakdown hear you, show? Brian. How do you not hear me?
1: So, uh. test. We'll we'll figure this out. Oh, Brian, talk now. Stop, stop, stop. There we go. We're back. Okay, look at that. this it's, it's part of a live show, guys. I was
2: I was saying that uh that uh, I didn't realize started your own breakdown show.
1: Do you have a name? It's for It's not really that? a breakdown show. It's I didn't have a co-host, so I was like, well, let me let me scramble to fill some time here. Um, and uh, I just I, I brought I brought <laughs> I brought some stuff because I was watching the game, and I did I didn't want to bring what I was tweeting about because I I tweeted about their defense and how much I like what they do when they're in rotation. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, it's it's Jimmy's day. Uh, we should talk about Jimmy, so.
2: How good was he, man? Like, seriously, like, of all the Heat performances we've seen in the playoffs, where's that rank now, do you think? You know Obviously, it's... like, the moment doesn't compare to the finals, but in terms of just sheer, like, the sheer will the score the way he did and the efficiency that he did it at, too. Like, I don't – is it top five?
1: I mean – I, you know, I want to ask you this question because I, I think this is a little funny to kind of piggyback off that. So Dwayne Wade has the heat record, 46 points, game one against Boston, 1 p.m. game on a Sunday. I'll never forget it. That's when Wade starts yelling at the hand um, when he hits all those threes, when it was basically him and Joel Anthony screens to the rescue to, to save them from a sweep. Um, a part of me, Brian, when Jimmy got to the 45 points, I didn't want him to break Dwayne's record.
2: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7
0: in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates
0: may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: <laughs> they didn't need it. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd rather them, you know, I don't care if they. I, I don't care if they do or whatever, but I think a part of me, deep down, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a Wade lifer, more than anything. A, a part sure, of me.
2: Wait, wait, hold on. I'm looking at a stat. Mm-hmm. Are we sure Wade has the record?
1: Yeah, Wade. Yeah, Wade has 46. That's the record.
2: Why stat? Me say that LeBron James has the record at 49 against the Brooklyn Nets in 2014. So oh, does he? Did three. I? Did I
1: totally miss it? Then maybe I, I don't remember that. I always remember Dwayne having the career high.
2: Let's look it up. It says game four of the Eastern Conference semi finals actually have the date oh, hey guys damn. thanks by the way
1: always let us know if our mics are low um you know i've noticed that sometimes on the pod the heat beat mics are a little low so thank you for letting us know uh heat culture in chats is well, my up mic, mic up well. i can turn my no mic no, no I, I got it i i can contr- i, I it's something i control on obs um okay. so yeah thank you yeah chat saying chris is saying much better mic volume uh chat chat, maybe you can help confirm that i don't i I always i always thought that dwayne had the record and i tweeted that yesterday as if i was factual. i'm pulling
2: out the box score hold on i got the box score and yep lebron james had 49 points in game four never mind he won 102.96 back on may 14 of 2014.
1: nope never mind well then i i was i was uh in my head 12 2014. i was having a fake hypothetical in my head so
2: so no uh wait a second with his 46 LeBron's first was 49 and then Jimmy's now tied for third with LeBron James with 45
1: yeah I know that LeBron had a 45 I think Jimmy's in the high in the final was 42 Jimmy's high in the finals was 40 each Jimmy had zero turnovers last night that's insane yeah Jimmy Butler had zero turnovers last night wow oh my god that last time he scored 40 in the finals he had five turnovers so, well, yeah, I mean, of impressive. course, he was doing everything on ball, by the way. I Jimmy, know, but it's,
2: it's very impressive.
1: Jimmy played 39 minutes last night after barely after. I don't even think he did he crack 35 uh, in game one. Um, And, you know, Kyle played 37. That, that's what this is going to be. Right. And Bam was in foul trouble, which let's talk. And I want to kind of get into that as well, because I think that was the other interesting part. So there were a couple parts that I thought were interesting from Atlanta's perspective that I covered. Talked about Jimmy and how good he was. Let's talk about. I thought, the the most interesting thing on Miami's side. Bam, and I talked about this last pod with Christian and pregame with Frankie and Kenny. Bam got into foul trouble, and Miami went with P.J. at the five, which makes sense because Collins, you know, you, you kind of like, okay, well, Collins is one 100%. You know, P.J. can keep him off the glass. You know, we, we, can, we can survive these minutes if P.J. is going to defend Collins or Okongwu. Uh, and we put Jimmy at the four And at that But you can't just go Three guards with that Right Because you're really Just hemorrhaging size And everything So Miami goes Caleb Which makes sense we talked about that And that was That 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 makes the most sense uh, Bam gets into the foul trouble Deadman also was in foul trouble So they, they go really really small And And it's funny Because we didn't even talk about that In the context of Bam foul trouble We talked about that In the context of Deadman minutes being untenable Which have not been the case at all So they go Caleb They go Caleb in the front court With Jimmy and PJ and those lineups look really good. I do think P.J. And, and P.J.'s minutes squeezed Duncan. I think Duncan played six or seven minutes that game. And it was only in the second, like the end of the first quarter, early second quarter. Uh, Yeah, Duncan played seven minutes. By the way, Duncan did not get a single pass. I watched every possession that Duncan Robinson played on offense. I saw you, I saw you
2: either tweet that or put it in our chat. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy.
1: And it wasn't because I remember on the, on, the, on the halftime show, Charles Barkley goes, yeah, you know, they, Atlanta did a great job on Duncan Robinson. And I was like, I mean, I guess Duncan hasn't really done anything. I was like, what are they? So it's something I was actively looking at, you know, yeah. and I wa- I wanted to make sure to watch that. And, I mean, I can't, e- I can't even bring film. It's just really Duncan standing in a corner and then Duncan kind of leaking to the wing and then there's, like, you know, a pick and roll somewhere else and then Miami's either getting fouled or turning it over. So yeah. it was just interesting. They didn't run a single dribble handoff for him. He didn't play many minutes with Bam. I think he played, like, one or two minutes with Bam at, at max. Um... I wonder if they try to change that, if they want to get him because they played him a lot with Jimmy, Tyler, Deadman, and Gabe. That was that was yeah. the bulk of his minutes. Um, and I, I understand you kind of get a little bit of scoring punch, especially Jimmy and pick and roll with Deadman, although Gabe did a lot of handling, which I think was kind of annoying. Some of the fan base Gabe Gabe did that second quarter, Gabe was doing a lot of pick and roll handling with Deadman, which I think you kind of want to pivot a little more to Jimmy. In that in those instances, but I understand that Jimmy also needs a breather. Played again thirty nine minutes and was doing everything on defense. Um, but yeah, Brian, what'd you think of the Caleb? What'd you think of the Caleb minutes getting back into the rotation?
2: Okay, so there's a lot of things to dissect there. So obviously the rotation this game way different than game one. Obviously different circumstance. Miami had a big lead in game one compared to game two. I didn't hate them. I liked the Caleb minutes. Um, him playing at the four next with PJ, they, that's when they, in that third quarter, that's when they made their run. They took that, was a 14-point lead, and then it was about 11 when they entered the fourth quarter. So, obviously, that lineup worked. Um, having Gabe out there with Strews gave you the shooting next to Jimmy to you know, go on that run, and um, it, it seemed like it was working pretty fun defensively. Obviously, Bojanovic had a great game. I think going defense over Duncan was the right move for that game too? Because you could tell that Atlanta, for what they did in Game One, they came out with a different um, style of play. Different, they came with like a different sense of urgency to try to steal Game Two, which they almost did. I know with eight, the Miami Heat, won by eleven points towards the end of the game, but they did bring it down to three points, and really could have been down the one had t- um, Trey Young made that layup before those last like four or five minutes um, in the game. And there was even another possession soon after where he almost got fouled on a three-point shot from Gabe. Um, luckily, Gabe didn't get called for it. So I think seeing Caleb out there was nice. It, it, it seemed, I think Christian tweeted out yesterday, like, oh, they they Atlanta had all the sliver of hope, and then and then Spolscher throws in his like his ace, which is it's just like a card up the sleeve of just throwing Caleb out there, who was like the primary defender on Trey Young all regular season. And obviously, like, Caleb did a good job in terms of Shutting down pretty much like Trey didn't have a good second half. He had a good first half, but that second half was mostly Bodanovich making a lot of contested threes.
1: A lot and of you I know
2: for the Heat, for the Heat, you live of that. I mean, if they if they make those shots and the rest of the team doesn't, I mean, they still only scored 105 to close that game. Like for defense, in terms of like Miami and, and Bam didn't have a great defensive game, and obviously he was in foul trouble too. You live of that, and and I think for Miami, they play that pretty well in terms of their defensive strategy considering all the foul trouble that they were in.
1: I mean, I said it. I mean, Atlanta had a 92 offensive rating in the half court. Like, it's just not going to cut it. So, you know, even if some of their guys have good shooting nights and Bogdanovich was 5 for 10 from 3, a lot of those in the second half. Atlanta shot 30% from 3 for the game. Just, again, their offense. They're
2: number two uh, three-point shooting team in the NBA, and they haven't even cracked 40% once not even close.
1: Yeah, but it's – you know, and it's funny because Miami does a great job of helping off corner shooters to swarm the paint, and I think Atlanta's turnovers have really bailed the heat out of a couple times. And I think if Atlanta has – and I somebody asked me on the timeline, do you think this is a sweep? I'm like, there's going to be a game where Atlanta just hits a ton of shots, and, you know, if, if they correct the turnover problem – I think the games are going to be a little more competitive because they're going to be able to kind of get out to their corner shooters a little bit better or the lob yeah. threats if Miami is rotating out to the shooter. I mean, there has been several times, Brian, where they have Okongwu or they have Collins kind of open for a roll and Trey just straight up misses or Trey's driving and that help man comes and he kicks it out and he just completely bobbles the pass. So, but that's the defense that, I mean, Gabe, you can tell he's, he's under his skin. Yeah.
2: Possession by possession, picking him up full court. Very even. physical. Like like I, I honestly can't phrase him enough. I, I saw people tweeting, I think you mentioned it earlier, like people tweeting about Gabe's minutes. Like, I, I don't know what you can do. You have to keep playing him this series. And this is exactly why it's great that Miami has all these, you know, different primitive defenders that they can throw on Trey Young.
1: Gabe played the third most like minutes. For reasons like that. Like if the they were
2: in a series right now against Brooklyn, you would want Gabe on like a guy like Kyrie. And and this series in particular is a very ball dominant um garden and, and train it's it's amazing that we have gabe out there over a guy like kendrick nunn
1: <laughs> right and we had him. they had him uh they even had him last year uh and, and yeah. in the bubble but he was not like this he was not, i mean he had good, he had the, the he had flashes, good defensive, defensive games
2: yeah. but he was not this kind of player he definitely improved the shooting from last season this year
1: the, i think the defense was really i think he was defensively ready but i mean truly the shooting and the ball handling wasn't there and the fact that he's running pick and roll is just yeah. a huge plus i mean he's just a really can steady. we talk
2: about, can, can we talk about like just Just how amazing it is that, like, I think entering the postseason, we were all kind of a little nervous about the rotation itself in terms of some of these G League guys getting their first actual playoff run or minutes and stuff. Like, have you been impressed with the way you've seen Strews play and gameplay and even Caleb a little bit yesterday?
1: So I've thought about this a bunch. And I think for guys like Gabe and Max and these undrafted dudes, they've all like, every game for them getting into the league – even in the league is has stakes because if you don't play bad you could get cut. Right? You don't have a pedigree of a draft history. Or you don't have you know you weren't a highly touted prospect. So for these guys, every time they step on a court, it was a little different than a guy who was drafted who has a little more leeway. So I think the playoffs, I think at least from a nerve perspective I don't think that kind of jitter gets those guys because they've always had to play with a target on their back Because if they're like if I don't perform I'm not gonna be here Right these that's like that's a, That's what people talk about with the, the undrafted guys You know a chip on your shoulder stuff like that, you know, and I, I'd love to hear one of them talk about it I hope somebody can ask them if, if something like that's true, but that's kind of what I thought Brian it's like, you know, you play your whole life every summer league game for them is game seven of the nba finals because it truly could be if i don't play well i go home you know what i mean so i think that they're used yeah. to that kind of pressure it's pressure that they put on themselves so a first round series against a bad defense isn't going to activate that where i want to see it happen is against a team like boston milwaukee when the stakes are high and that defense is intense and scary and a lot of pressure is put on you that's what i want that's when i want to see them but for a first round series you know, just cause it's a playoff game. I don't think, you know, yeah. I even think against the, the Sixers, I, I don't know how much of that they'll feel, you know, as well. Uh, especially cause the Sixers are a little bit uh, flaccid defensively, even, even at, uh, Toronto has scored a bunch. It's just Philly's offense has just been insane. Uh, which I think is an interesting thing to look ahead to not, not to, to get ahead of ourselves, but the fact that that Philly's defense has just not been up to par I think actually favors Miami that they can kind of grease their offense a little bit, but yeah, I mean, and a guy like Caleb, by the way, Brian, who, you know, to go back to him and and kind of his journey, you know, he has not been the same since the injury, the finishing at the rim, not the same, not the same burst. I think as a shooter, he's been pretty consistent. So uh, I, I I don't want to say it's real or not real, but you know, the, the shooting has been pretty good. But it, it's the stuff at the rim on both ends of the floor that have gone away. Because Caleb would make plays pretty consistently, either blocking shots, contesting at the rim, or making dunks or in the fast break. That just hasn't been the case. He's down to 66% at the rim, which he was in the in the 70s earlier in the year. Um, 42% from three this year, by the way, really, really good. Shout out to Caleb for that, becoming a shooter. Um, but I'm a little concerned about him in a series you know, where it's a little more physical and a little more rough because if he's not the same dude, it, it gets tough. And I, in a way, I understand why his minutes got squeezed.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
2: So, Caleb's actually been the Miami's best three point shooter since the All Star break. He was shooting about 54% um, since the All Star break. This is a stat from Simon Sperling at Simon Sperling on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, Caleb, for, for what he hasn't really shown at the rim, he has still kept um, the spacing, which I think is good. I think if, and he showed that he could still shoot yesterday, he made a couple threes or he made at least one in his limited minutes. So just having him out the floor, it still be able to provide that spacing, despite the the rim pressure that he was giving it early in the season. I think eventually it'll come around. He might still be hurt. I don't. He wasn't on the injury report. I don't. Think. No,
1: it's not that it's he's hurt, but like game. if your Achilles is fucked up, you know what I mean. I mean, all these guys are playing hurt. <laughs> no, but I mean, he just Brian. He just doesn't look the same. By the way, uh, Heat Culture. I turned my mic up, so let me know. Let me know if that sounds better. Um, I'm so, not peaking, but. Should be fine, but let me know. Uh, yeah, no, I mean he just doesn't look the same. So I'm just, it's just is it
2: just a dunks? What what exactly are you looking more for? Not like, the burst. You, you, I know the you're saying finishing, but like I know he was. He's not. He's not dunking the way he was before. If that's what you were thinking. Man. That's
1: kind of where it starts. It's also the stuff on defense, just not really a chase down blocks. Yeah, just not making plays at the rim as consistently when that was just really his mo. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, part of it could also just be
2: the fact that he hasn't really had, like, a solidified rotation Well, no, Brian, his fucking
1: Achilles is sore. Is, he, he was out with an Achilles sore well, he, every, he for he weeks. He had a
2: couple good games when he was starting. Yeah, but they weren't. Jim, they did,
1: hurt. It wasn't springy like he was the first half of the season. My point is, is, like, he's still a good player, but he lost the thing that made him really special. Because well, they
2: don't. I, I, I'm just saying it could be more than just that. It could just also be, like, mental
1: yeah, I don't.
2: Just him not having consistent minutes, or knowing exactly what his role is, or just not really knowing when exactly he's getting his playing time.
1: Yeah, I don't. Could
2: be, could, could affect him. I mean, it affected a guy like Gabe. He he it in his interviews.
1: Yeah, so you know we have to we have to see about that. I. Th- by the way, please, I, I maxed out my volume on OBS. I put is it up. Me,
2: do you guys want me to put? No, on my you're volume? good.
1: Everyone likes you. I just don't want to peak. I'm always scared of peaking. He sounds fine to me. I hope so.
2: Uh, also, I'm not listening
1: on the Twitch. Yeah, I want, recap. I want Twitch. I mostly, I, want, I care about Twitch and Pod audience right now, so I want, I want them to be good. Okay, everybody says I sound fine, because uh, okay. I know, I know on the Pod I do sound low, and I, I've, I've lamented how low heat beat sounds on, uh, on the Pod feed, and I don't like that, so I'm trying to, i have I'm actually like actively correcting that. So like, please let me know, guys. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so that's just what I'm worried about, Caleb. Um, they should be good. I think going into Game Three, Bam did not play well
2: let's let's just say with Caleb like he's not even technically in like the actual like 8 to 9 man rotation. He's he's like the le- he's like the next guy up.
1: Yeah. Let's let's pivot to Bam Bryant because Bam did not have the the prettiest night um Oh no. I don't know if his hands messed up still. He doesn't look. Alfred mentioned he doesn't he, look he like He has
2: an in- no he has an injury, a new injury that that was put on the injury report this last game. What so was he answered game 2 with um as a Uh, quad contusion which is an injury it's like a deep bone it's like a deep bone bruise in his quad um usually takes a couple weeks for the injury to clear up. i think he had that same injury last time i remember him having that injury was i want to say was maybe four seasons ago when we still had jay rich and, and winslow he had hurt himself in that um That red-pink scrimmage game. I remember Alex Toledo was at it. Trappy baby. And I remember he hurt himself that game. He was basically out that entire preseason. He barely played in the preseason up until um, the start of the regular season. So he's had that injury once before. I don't know if he's had it since. But it's very similar. Um, I'm not sure the degree of it. Um, They haven't said. I mean, Obviously, he played the last game. I imagine he's still going to continue to play through it. But um, it did seem like he was playing hurt. There was moments in the game I remember seeing in the fourth quarter when he came back in with those four fouls that he wasn't jumping at all. I mean, towards like the last couple of minutes, I did see him, you know, put in a little bit more aggressive uh, effort into some of his like jumping on rebounds. But like on offense, man, it, it just he didn't seem like he he wanted the ball to begin with. Like it seemed like he was more passive than usual. Which it, seemed odd so it's to me and it was what tiff was mentioning in our playback room it seemed to me that he this injury it's affecting him in some capacity
1: I because it's funny because I yeah you know, Alf and I were talking that it looked like a hand thing because he couldn't like control the ball you know on the catch but yeah that, that makes sense too if he's not been able I think part of catching the ball is like you know you're catching you pivot your body and if your lower body's not working right that makes total sense there were a couple plays where Collins sprung free, right? They'll like kind of brush screen and will like dart to the rim and, and bam, it's just like left behind there. And I'm like, whoa, that's not that's not normal. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not used to that. So, you know, hopefully they can finish this series quickly and he can get some rest. Hopefully, you know, the other series in the East Boston and, and, and the Nets, I was about to call them New Jersey. Uh, look like they hopefully can go the distance. Uh, that's good for so many reasons, but to prolong it a bit so that Miami can get a little bit of rest nets up right now mm-hmm. in Boston by nine uh, in Boston. So that's interesting. And and you hope that Toronto can put up a bit of a fight against Philly, you know, kind of being home, getting Scotty Barnes back, hopefully. Um, and Gary Trent supposed to play today as well. So, you yeah, know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Kyle, not his best showing just bad poor shooting which that happens but to me brian it was the turnovers it was you know 24 percent turnover percentage you know seven assist percentage that's just absolutely fucking brutal yeah yeah uh, two it, assists it really, on the it's, night
2: it's, i mean if we're gonna go down player by player i mean really the only two or three guys that played the best for miami yesterday was gabe jimmy I guess Max.
1: I gotta be honest with you, Brian, on rewatch. And again, it wasn't like Tyler played well. Tyler was five for I watched the game again. I thought Tyler it was, was five for eleven, right? Five yeah, for I think eleven. He was
2: at fifty percent and he, he took a three that he should have made at the fourth quarter and he yeah, missed
1: it. The one for really four from three is I think what bothers people. Um, you know, didn't really. Turn. It was the most quietest fifteen point game I've ever seen. Yeah, no, because he had he would score like in the second quarter he had like a he had like a little stretch where he got hot and then again in the third quarter where he, where he pretty much made all his shots. But it was like yeah. long stretches of the game where he was just like he was very feast or famine. I thought defensively he was pretty good. I thought his rotations were good, which is he knew where to be. I thought he competed and I thought he earned the minutes that he got. Um, yeah. I did think that Duncan didn't really get a chance. And I think if I think they got, I mean, obviously Jimmy had it going, but you know, sometimes you you may you know you may want Duncan in those situations where Tyler's not super good. But after rewatch, I thought Tyler was fine. I don't think he was great, but you know, if your bench score gets 15 points. That's kind of you know that's kind of what a six man does, you know, fifteen. Is that
2: we're all we're all expecting like twenty plus from every night now. If Tyler had made that three that's that's what he was averaging the regular season, but still. If
1: Tyler made that three, he would have been uh he would have been two for four from three and we would have had eighteen points. He would have been six for eleven. We would have said he's great.
2: Yeah, but then also like he got a lot of easy baskets in the free throw line at the end of the game. So like they really have. I mean, his fifteen is a little different than the fifteen. That's you that's get. totally
1: true too. He got four. He got four points off free throws. He got fouled twice at the end. Absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought he was mostly fine. I thought he, what he, the only thing was that he wasn't super assertive. But well, it just I, sucks because it one, compounded. One it,
2: thing I did notice a lot, and I, it seems like Elena's, Elena's like really doing a good job in, in terms of doubling him. It seems like every time he gets the ball in the pick and roll, they're sending two at him, and it's 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 basically like slowing him down that second that he needs in order to get through a pick or, or figure out what exactly he wants to do with the ball. And at that time, like that basically that that split second that he he needs to make that decision, he's not he's not reacting quick enough, and he it kind of blows up that part of possession he has to basically either decide to swing it or or go, depending on the shot clock, go for like a tested um, like jumper that he normally. I mean right now the series he hasn't been shooting efficiently
1: but well that's why yeah Brian, it just seems
2: like they're they're playing way different than we've seen in the regular season against him
1: that's why i kind of advocated for it's funny that we're kind of here but a little bit more dribble handoff because they haven't run a ton of them in this series they really i mean that's really just exited their shot diet this series so if i'm miami you know maybe i want to spice up my offense go back to old reliable. You know, I mean their offense yeah. has been mostly fine. I think a 95 in the half court is pretty okay, you know. Could be better uh, though. It's pretty it's I mean it's better than what they were in the regular season, so that I mean
2: they're still sc- they're still scoring over 100 in games. So that's that's good. At least they're still scoring. They're not like struggling to break 100 in, in the playoffs.
1: Oh no, for sure. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not too bad, but, you know,
2: but you can tell like there's moments in the game where and obviously, Jimmy didn't have that great game last game. It would it'd probably be a different outcome because I don't know who else you could really count on. Know something that was I was talking to Tiff in our playback room is like, I was a little nervous in that entering that fourth quarter. Like, as good of a game that Jimmy had, he brought you so much. Um, and played so many minutes. I wasn't sure how much he still had left in the tank to close out that game. And so that was a good test that Miami was able to pull through and still win that game off of Jimmy's back because it seemed like outside of that one game three, most of the buckets came on Jimmy. And Jimmy alone so, so I, I still think Miami needs to find that second score in a series like a consistent second score because obviously that game one was Duncan and, and Jimmy uh, the rest of the guys had like about 10 points but I think they need to figure out who the second guy is gonna be in a series so that they get them confident enough when we get into that Philly matchup because right now it hasn't been BAM and it hasn't really been Tyler either
1: Miami in the half court on the season 97.6 points per hundred possessions uh, 11th in the NBA Uh, Atlanta, 101.1 points in the half court for 100 possessions, first in the NBA. Uh, Miami has absolutely neutered their half court offense. Miami has absolutely dominated them defensively. Their transition offense, Miami has absolutely just obliterated. Um, And Atlanta had a really good offense this year as well. So, you know, it's...
2: (laughs) Yeah, defensively, man, they've they've been playing... To what we expected and maybe even a little bit better Atlanta's- the offense at the offensive points you just want to see some of these other guys outside of really just jimmy karen the whole entire scoring mode like he i mean and i know he said it in his post game quotes yesterday like he said it to tnt like oh did he feel like entering this game that he needed to take more of a role of scoring and he basically said yeah, yeah especially if his teammates struggling he, he mentioned that because he had it going, and because of the way you know the game was playing out, he, he felt like he needed to score the ball a lot. And obviously, that's why he got his 45. But you can't expect Jimmy to be like that every game. Obviously, the playoffs, each game is different. So Game 3, I'm sure, it will be a lot different in Game 2 and Game 1. I just want to see a little bit more life on offense from both Bam and, and Tyler. Tyler more especially. I think Bam, defensively, he's holding his ground. If he can get you 10-15 to 15 this series... I can live with that. I really just want to see Tyler get the ball going because seeing guys like Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, um, who are the young guards in the league, like J.M. Uh, Brunson, like these guys going off for 30 a night, you know Tyler's more incapable of scoring like that, and, and it just seems like we haven't seen that from him, and I don't know why it is because I don't think he's dealing with any injuries himself. It just seems like it's more of, a, it's more of him getting the spots. I don't think he's getting the spots as easily as he used to.
1: That's um that's very well said. I, they they're in control of the series. They're gonna go into Atlanta. Um, you know I think Lowry will give them a little more too. You know I think Bam's injury. You know hopefully he can start feeling like himself. They don't need him this series. Honestly, if they go up three to nothing, I I wouldn't even mind them sitting him like they did Dwayne against the Bucks. (laughs) When,
2: <laughs> they did that with Jimmy in Game Four against the Pacers in the bubble. You remember that?
1: Yeah. So Spo has a history of just when they're up three zero and they just know that they're better. Maybe just sit a dude um, to get to buy him a little bit of rest, which I don't think be the worst thing considering you know they'll they ha- they they have shown you that they can patchwork sub setter minutes. And if you give Yurt seven minutes, you give Dedmon the start, and then you get another seven minutes at a PJ at the five. You know you might patchwork enough you know against a dead atlanta team to to kind of get you to the finish line of that series you know in yep. four games uh nick the quick oh four says i think you, a little you can bit get more
2: keith in the game in that game too yeah exactly that's a game that maybe Marquise gets some run
1: um i think the i think a little more from lowry too with bam and hero yeah and i agree with the lowry thing he was just not particularly he he was not himself the turnovers were just and i said before uncharacteristic uh, I yeah. thought at the end of the game, though, you know, he really bounced back to life a bit. Um, you know, had that, that big play that I highlighted earlier with Jimmy screening, kind of got to the basket and won. I think he settled yeah. them a little bit as well late. You now,
2: know, that that shot and then, and then the Gabe shot before that Jimmy three at the end to really seal the game. Those were big buckets because obviously Atlanta was coming bucket for bucket towards the end with Bogdanovich making all those contested threes I was mentioning earlier. And it seemed like that they, they had a chance to tie that game. And Miami still won by 11 points. They won on like an 8-0 run or something towards the end of the game to win by 11. So, um, no, it, to me, it felt like that was a great um, testament to to their half court offense showing up in the fourth quarter compared to what we normally see. Like those two Utah games still scared the fuck out of me.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's really where we're at for game two. Uh, kind of final thoughts here. I don't I don't know how many more cards Atlanta has to play. Uh Capella changes the series. So He's still out. I think his availability um is going to really determine what yeah. Atlanta can do. I think we, you know, they're going to go home. You know, they're going to kind of probably hammer home some of the stuff that they did early on in the game that they went away from. I think that, you know, their half court offense has to progress to the mean a little bit the fact that they're you know in the low 90s when they're so good that part to me is a little crazy let's see uh let's see what let's see how how that kind of plays out i think the capella coming back gives them a little bit more vertical spacing that they need um so we'll see i mean we've seen players come back from injury early in the playoffs when their season's on the line he won't be a hundred percent but he brings a physicality to them that i think they don't have they're a little bit soft in the inside and and i and kind of just jimmy bullies his way in there whether it's off pick and roll or whatever um i know that woge said that he's gonna miss a week from that injury uh so, so he's it,
2: he's gonna be reevaluated on month, on friday which is game three right yeah because yeah. they're off today tomorrow so I don't think he's going to play game three, but there is a possibility that he could be upgraded questionable. And, and maybe he might test it out same way John Collins just did. Um, you know, kind of coming out of nowhere to play these first two games of the series because I don't think most of us expect him to play. So yeah, it could be a possibility that Capella plays game three. We'll see. Um, I think most likely game four will be the first time you see him.
1: So, you know, eyes on that. I think Miami's in, in good control um foot on the gas kind of hammer home what they do i don't really think miami has to make too many adjustments like i said if i do anything it's maybe give tyler a little bit more stuff out of the handoff to kind of get him going same with duncan to kind of incorporate him into the offense a little bit because you know he's just i think that was kind of inexcusable how they just did not get him the ball at all and again you can go rewatch those minutes they just made no effort and part of that's on duncan too i mean and again duncan can't force himself into things right he just you know everybody has to play their role but it was just it was just kind of weird it, it's just weird to watch you know a six minute stretch of basketball seven minute stretch of basketball where this guy just straight up brand didn't even touch the ball it's not it's not like they gave him the ball to like even pass it to somebody else the dude never touched the ball it was incredible it was crazy so you know kind of probably i'm sure that that's going to be talked about in the film all the other stuff we talked about and that stuff's going to be interesting so
2: yeah, it was it was a weird game for sure like as, as good of a win it was it was still definitely a weird game, but it's a game that that happens in the playoffs and you need your superstar to come through in moments where you don't know where you're gonna get your offense from <laughs> yeah so it's just it's just great that Jimmy was able to do that and and they're able to go up to in the series and they still have home court and if they just split one of these next two, which I expect them to win all four but if they split one of these next two, it's yeah, I'll take it yeah. I'll take it if that's if that's what happens yeah
1: for sure for sure. Um, yeah guys, so that's 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 where we're at remember weird Alf pregame show 30 minutes before every single game The hangover time postgame show is live after every game alpha and the crew brass everybody. We have a good time Uh, the games have been fun. They've been exciting. You know, we, we slander we have drinks We have a, a great time. So make sure to tune into that make sure to do all that fun stuff uh, Brian and I are gonna be here holding it down for he Brian. Can you tell people a little bit about playback because I've been talking about it But I'm not the play you're the playback guy. So explain explain playback a little what it is and, and how why they should join us Okay,
2: so basically playback is the same way you watch the game either on your laptop or on your phone You get to watch it same time same 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 way you can watch it with other service that you're using your um, your cable service provider NBA Um, lead pass, whatever you're using, but on on playback, you, you connect it same way you would connect like any of those other authentication access channels that you have on your smartphone or on your regular devices. You get to watch the game with us in real time and it's all synced up together. So everybody that's in the chat room, everybody that's in this room watching the game with us is able to watch it at the exact same time. And what's actually pretty cool is that the feedback I get on playback is like a minute faster than the one I get from both Bali Sports and and the TNT app on my um, on my actual like Roku device. So I've been watching the game a lot more on playback just because I get all the reactions a minute faster, so I'm able to, like not miss anything on Twitter. Because uh, usually I try to avoid Twitter so I don't miss anything or I do get spoiled. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's super cool. So you get to basically watch us um, react to to every moment that's happening we've been doing a lot of second halves but i think maybe we'll probably do probably definitely on on the weekend game probably game four we'll definitely do a full game um but just it's just cool like you get to basically chat with us you get to come on stage if you, if any of you guys ever wanted to talk to us kind of like a twitter spaces and, and, and yeah it's 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 almost like a twitter spaces in a way yeah it's just it's different because you have video too with it so you could, uh, could you put your camera on if you want to talk to us. You don't have to use your camera. You could just chat and just say shit and chat and and we will react to it. And it's really cool. You, I to me, I think it's one of the coolest things that has come out um, in terms of like a platform that's that's giving people access to react to games like content creators like us using actual NBA footage, because normally a lot of the watch parties that you see that are virtual, you the NBA blocks the access to to be able to use um any other video live obviously because you want people to steal your stream you don't want people to steal the content but this just makes it in a way where you just have to authenticate whatever access that you have that you currently pay for whatever cable platform you have you just authenticate it and you can still watch the game and it's it's just everybody gets to watch at the same time and we get to react and get to listen to us talk shit and if you want to come on talk shit with us you can
1: so JBM, he'd asked, what if I allegedly use a certain streaming sites to watch games? You need to authenticate your cable. So if you, if you, yeah,
2: you can still technically, yes, you can actually still watch it that way. You just want to be able So playback has an option where if you don't authenticate it, it'll just black out your screen, but you can still see us on there. You can still listen to us and you can still respond to us. Okay, that's so cool. yes, there is a wait. you just won't you might it'll probably be different on your screen Your feed might be slower than ours. Yeah, because so, uh, that, that's the difference playback
1: will sync it So tune into that links in the chat. We also tweeted out a ton Also, make sure to check out the case K- brand, you know the script for the casey jerseys
2: Is it exclamation casey? I
1: it, I, it wasn't when I tried it. I don't I don't know Exclamation bannerman. I, I don't yeah, I, I should know these things but regardless um i'll put the link in chat listen it's a really really good product uh casey's done a tremendous job with these jerseys limited quantity remaining um as brian and i just try random shit in the chat here's the link i have it right here uh um, yeah casey product slash products mvpr i
2: i think today is the last day uh, today, i was talking to him earlier i was talking to him earlier he's putting in the order so whatever last stories that might come through by the time you guys get this? If the, if it's closed, it's closed and it's gone for good. Yeah, so, so if you're watching this live, rush that link. Let me even see if it's still open. There, I, I'd rather be... Yeah, it's still open. It's so still yeah. Open, you yes. can buy a jersey. There are some sizes that are sold out. So if you need a small, sold out. If you need a triple XL, four XL, they're sold out. Looks like all sizes, medium, large, XL. XL's out too. So yeah, there there's there's like very few quantities remaining. So, so if you guys really want one, if you're a medium, large, I guess a 2XL, that's about it. Those are the only sizes remaining right now. Look at this jersey. Run, run right now to your computer. Buy it because this is the only time, especially this design, the Heat are not selling a white hot jersey, which seems like a missed opportunity for them. But Casey came through and is getting you guys look your own Jimmy Butler white hot jersey. Look at that. Custom made quality stitching is by far one of the best I've seen. Like, I have NBA authentic jerseys. This stitching, to me, seems almost a little bit better than some of the NBA jerseys I do have. And what's even better is, like, that design that you see right now, that that Jimmy Butler back design, completely hand-drawn by Casey himself that he was able to import into his, his editor. Like, it looks amazing in print. And we have the BAM one. I know you have yours, I think, probably freeing by now, G. Yeah. It just looks amazing. Like, the, the quality of, of the print itself is also good. And you don't have to wear it. Like, to me, I'm not a person that wears jerseys, but I know for sure I'm going to free mine. Look at get get
1: this. Get the, get the Heat Beat it's artwork, patch. You want the Heat Beat patch? And then you get the back with the JVP. So yeah. make sure to check that out. It supports us. It supports the show that you love and you get cool shit. And we like doing cool shit with cool people. That's really the MO of Heat Beat. So... Make sure to check out that. It's been a giant fucking commercial at the end of the show. We love you guys. Tune in to Hangover Time. Wap. And then Need shop that the my tomorrow.
2: Strong. Yeah, the new merch is coming.
1: There you go. So this game bullies. This game. <laughs>